0: Love, talk, radio.
1: Hello and welcome to Achieve Your Best. My name is Ellie Nieves and I'm a life and leadership coach. I'm also the founder and president of Leadership Strategies for Women, a consulting firm that helps women to develop the confidence and leadership skills that they need to achieve their best in every area of their lives. For more information on how I can help you to achieve your best, you can log on to my webpage at www com. And while you're there, I hope that you'll sign up for my free monthly newsletter, and you'll also receive a bonus if you do that. You'll receive uh, seven leadership strategies for success in life and business. The topic of our show today is strategies for achieving work-life balance. Lack of work-life balance is a leading cause of stress and all of its harmful effects. And in recent years, work-life balance has become an important issue for working families, and particularly for working women who often feel pressured to make tough choices between building a career and managing the demands of their personal lives. But work-life balance is not just a concern for the individuals who are trying to keep it all together. It has also become an important issue for employers who recognize that work-life balance is an all-important factor in attracting top talent and retaining a productive workforce. And our guest today is an expert on work-life balance. Marilyn Suttle is a business owner and president of Suttle Enterprises, a personal and professional growth training firm in the Detroit, Michigan area. She has over 15 years of experience using her relationship strengthening expertise to catapult the effectiveness of her audiences with clients, employees, and even with their children. Marilyn is also known to multitask during presentations by folding a load of laundry on stage while discussing the challenges of delegation. A wife and mom of two, Marilyn has hands-on experience parenting, balancing work and family while running a thriving training company. Her diverse client list ranges from Fortune 500 companies such as Ford Motor Company to associations such as the Alliance for Work-Life Progress. Marilyn, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, glad to be here.
1: So Marilyn, what's with the folding of the laundry while you're giving a presentation?
0: Hey, I may be folding laundry right now. I'm busy. <laughs> is
1: that your secret to work-life balance?
0: No, no, actually it's not. As a matter of fact, it, the, the whole reason why I'm folding the laundry in front of the audience is because, you know, I start talking, especially when I'm doing audiences of women, of how hard it can be to let go of doing things a certain way. We want them done right. We want them done our way. So maybe our kids could fl- fold that laundry, but is it going to be perfect? Right, Great. <laughs> So I talk about delegation, but I'm not going to tell you that that's easy, because it's not, we have our emotions tied into it, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Marilyn, what is work-life balance? You know, when you think of work-life balance, people get a little stressed out, which is kind of funny because it's supposed to be just the opposite. So, well, let's just take a moment and say what it's not. It's not about doling out certain amounts of time for each thing that's stressful it's not about oh let's say you're going to be off work at six o'clock period and home and you're going to have family time from this time to that and then done with that and then you're going to have me time it just doesn't work that way and the more you put those kind of rigid time boundaries on it the more pressure you feel so that's the opposite and it's also not about slowing down and not doing those things that you thrive on a lot of your listeners are women leaders, they're busy people. And the idea of slowing down and not doing something for an hour might stress them out instead of calming them down. I love that um, Bob Proctor quote, don't slow down, calm down. Yeah. If you can do those things you thrive on, but calm down, come from a peaceful place, that's really the key. It's a feeling of peace with yourself, with the choices you're making. Um, the other thing people think it is is boring. Boy, if my life was in balance, I'm going to be bored. I'm not going to have any excitement. <laughs> that's, you know, that's just not true. When your life is in balance, you're running on your normal, and well, I won't say normal, it's not normal, it's natural. Our natural state is feeling good. Now, we may not find that normal because we've kind of created a lot of chaos in our life, but our natural state is one of feeling good. So life balance is about restoring that good feeling.
1: So work-life balance is something that can be attainable. It's not just a myth. It's not a
0: myth, but it's misunderstood. Because if you're thinking, oh, I've got to have everything right, and then my life will be in balance, that's, it's just impossible. So it's more about how do you, how do you take everything that's happening to you and find that peaceful place and the choices you're making within it.
1: So what are some of the stresses that may lead to an unbalanced life?
0: Oh, man, signs of an unbalanced life. I think, well, first off of the bat is stress. If you're feeling stressed, uh, chronic stress, you know you're out of balance. Or if you're feeling trapped, like you're not living the life you're supposed to be living. Or if you're feeling overwhelmed, it's just too much. Um, that's a sign you're out of balance. And another more insidious thing would be chronic blaming. If you're constantly blaming others, my life would be in balance if he would get his act together, if she would just stop driving me nuts, or chronic blaming of yourself. Oh, I'm not doing right by my kids. I'm not doing right by my mom. I'm not doing right by my job. All that blaming, those are all signs of your life being out of balance.
1: And what might cause some of that unbalance?
0: It's really about the way you think about things. It's really about, well, going back to, you know, being disconnected from your natural state. When you're feeling disconnected, you don't feel good. If you use your feelings as an indicator and you're noticing that you're feeling out of balance, there's some specific things you could do to restore that sense of, oh, "I feel more peaceful now." Mm-hmm. And now you're
1: a mother of two.
0: Mhm
1: a thriving business. How have you been in a place, or have you ever been in a place where your life was out of balance? And if so, how did you get back to where you needed to be?
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, a lot of times with kids, they, you know, you, you get stressed out when they're, like, you feel good when they're doing well, and you feel bad when they're not. And I remember going to parent-teacher conferences, and I went to my son's, uh, my math, his math teacher. And he said, oh, Lance is a stellar math student. He's the best in the class. That's all I have to say. Well, I walked away from that conference feeling like just fabulous. You know, I was on top of the world. Go to a science teacher, sit into that conference, and she said, I don't know what to do with him. He's driving me nuts. He's not doing well in here at all. He won't pay attention. His papers are always late. And, you know, all of a sudden you start shrinking. So it's like, ooh, wait a minute. If you... Equal your self worth to what other people, what other situations, if your child is doing well or, or struggling, if you tie your self esteem to that, ugh, you're going to get stressed. And mm-hmm. so, when I, I, I know I would have to recognize that both my kids had learning disabilities. And my son, that <laughs> he, he, if he got a C in high school, I would be so happy. You know, it was that, like that. And I kept the relationship going. I kept it going. I stuck to the skills of relationship building. I even had a counselor who said, you know, a lot of parents, when their kids do poorly, they want to just, uh, you know, get on the kid's case and be an enemy instead of a supporter. And you, I really appreciate you supporting him. Well, I stayed that way. And I have to tell you, he's graduating from college in May, wow. honor student, top of his class, because he got through... Those learning problems, he figured it out and went into his passion. So now he's got a degree, and he's already got a job lined up for May. So Great. there is hope. When your kids are struggling, it doesn't mean you're doing poorly. It means you need to keep that connection, that relationship strong. And congratulations to you. That's, that's wonderful. Oh, thanks. It wasn't easy, though, because I'm sure your listeners, they have people in their lives that they love, and when they're not doing well or if they have somebody sick, they have somebody struggling, um, addiction problems uh, health problems it can really do a number on how you feel about yourself mm-hmm. so the real key if you want to have life balance when that's happening is to not measure it, the situation against well it's like this you don't want somebody to be sick right. right so you feel bad but if instead you think about who am I being while they're sick and Rather than rate the situation, you rate how you feel about what you're doing in this situation. Well, if you, if you bring them soup, if you keep comfort them, if you bring them flowers, well, now you can feel really good about what you're doing to help. And that's very different than being very stressed over something you can't change.
1: Right. Now, I want to talk to you about the, the women that you may come into contact with on a regular basis that are going through work-life balance issues. Mm-hmm. Do you find that women who are early in their career struggle more with work-life balance issues or women who are in the middle of their career or later on in their career?
0: You know, each one, each segment you just talked about, they all have it, but they have it differently. Now, I'm going to be talking to 400 college students at the end of this month at Ferris State University, and they, you know, they're really struggling with emotion management, they're really struggling with, you know. This is a generation where their communication has been computerized. It's been on the cell phone. You know, you text to Twitter, you you um, send emails. You don't necessarily have that face-to-face confrontation. And things you type on the computer, you'd never say face-to-face.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's a real challenge for their emotions to all of a sudden be in the workplace and having a coworker or a boss upset. And having to be face to face to deal with that. Everything inside of them wants to go running, screaming in the night, you know, or lashing out, but you can't do either. Mm -hmm. So I think the young set, starting out, especially, it's all about learning how to get really comfortable with themselves, being comfortable, being uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. and looking for mentors. Who is doing, who is a good leadership role model? So that they could ask themselves, well, gee, what would Pat do here? Or, hmm, let me go talk to Veronica and see how she would handle this. Mm -hmm. And just be really comfortable coming out straight and saying, I'm not quite sure how to handle this. And giving yourself a time out to cool down, because it's really about restoring that sense of peace. Mm -hmm. So if you're feeling tense and struggling, take yourself out. Take yourself for a walk. Physical is good. Walk around until you calm down get some help, get some support, and move forward. So that's, you know, different than somebody who's seasoned, who's, who's been in the business for five, ten years, they know the ropes, but now they may be struggling in that mid-generation where they've got, their kids are getting bigger, but their parents are getting older, mm-hmm. so they've got double the pressure. <laughs> you know, when you have high school kids, it's like having toddlers all over again. It's like toddlers don't see the dangers, neither do your teenagers. Right. So you've got, all that going on. Then you've got your parents who are having maybe financial problems, maybe health problems, and then you're trying to carve out a life for yourself. With the divorce rate, midlife is a difficult time. You know, What do they say, 50%? And a lot of it happens around the 40-year you know, mark. So you've got those personal pressures.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You've got midlife crisis going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit stressful. Yeah. Not to mention you want to be effective at work. Mm-hmm. That midtime—that you know, somebody who's been in their job for a while—that's a real time when you start reevaluating. Am I still doing what I want to be doing? Where are my true talents? Where are my true passions? I'm sick of doing things people want me to do. I want to do what I want to do. Right. And so you see a lot of people shift careers right around that midlife age,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which I think is fantastic.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a really great uh, way to just break it down by generation. I know that when I was uh, very early in my career, when I was single and I worked long hours, it didn't seem to matter because everyone that I worked with was also single, Mm -hmm. worked together, and then afterward we would go hang out together, we became best friends, and it was a great thing. But then when I got married and I had already achieved some level of professional success, You know, I started pulling away from that a little bit more, and now I wanted to spend more time at home with my family, so I would still work hard because I'm wired. You know, I'm one of those type A workaholic types. So I work hard, but nonetheless, I also felt that I needed to be home building my relationship with my uh, husband and with my
0: family. Absolutely. You know, I was talking to a woman after a presentation once, and she said she's also that type A personality, but she had made the commitment to be a stay-at-home mom. And wow. She, she didn't regret it, but she all oh, had that angst, you know. There was that feeling like, oh, you know, am I doing the right thing? Mm-hmm. And she had a. I said, well, what do you ultimately want to do? Like, fifteen years from now, what do you see? And she had this real strong desire. That she loves wildlife, and she wanted. To, she was in broadcasting, so she wanted to do some kind of wildlife show. And so I was saying, well, hmm, okay, well, the books you read, the people you meet, the things you do in your downtime, can all support what you're eventually going to be doing. And she just is like the light bulb went on. She like, mm-hmm. oh, you mean, you're telling me that I could be a great mom, be home with my kids, and fueling my passion by learning in my free time? I love that. Like, she got so excited. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's different segments of time where, where certain things are a priority.
1: You know, mm-hmm. you,
0: you have a newborn baby at home. That's the only priority. You don't sleep. You might want to, but it's not going to happen. Um, so when and there's certain points in your career where you really need to, you need to be there. You need to, you know, that's your time to shine and that's your time to, to grow. So that's where your energy goes. So that goes back to that whole idea that life balance is not about blocking out equal amounts of time. Equal equals less because mm-hmm. you just end up stressing yourself
1: out. Right. And I love what you just said, that we go through these phases or these periods in our lives, and whatever is before us is what we need to focus on at that time. Mm-hmm. What happens is sometimes we don't think about it as something that's just temporary or just for that phase. We think that that's it, and it's dragging our entire life down. But if we can compartmentalize it that way and say, well, you know what, this is this particular phase of my life, and right now I need to focus on this area. Mm-hmm. Thing else has to get put on hold. it just means that you're moving through different phases
0: right, and, and when you do it the way you just described, you can be present mm-hmm. and you could even if you're, if you're doing you know something that's challenging for you if you're present in the moment of it it's richer it's fuller you, you're really there right the value goes up you feel better
1: yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. now the SBA recently uh, released a study and actually it on my Facebook page yesterday, and it found that self-employed women are, are able to spend more time with their children and their families as compared to other women who are working for a salary. Mm. And as a self-employed woman, do you find that that has actually helped with your work-life balance?
0: It absolutely has. I've, I've really had the good fortune of having schedules that were flexible at different times in my kids' lives so that I could be there I could set the the um, timetable so that if there's something special, I'm there. If there's a play in the school cafeteria, I could be there. Um, there's also a price to pay though in that you really have to set some boundaries. My office is in my home and it ha- always has been. so there are times when it's there is just like a, a no entry zone. My office is not some place where where the kids could go in because. I needed chunks of time alone to get certain amounts of work done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, you do have to set some boundaries. But you know what? Boundaries are good, and kids can respect those boundaries. It's good for them to see that when you take really good care of yourself and have you know, strong values about what things are going to be like, they learn how to do that too. You're role modeling for them. Mm-hmm. And so I found that. You know, do you have kids? I have
1: three stepkids.
0: You have three stepkids. So, yeah, and you know, I don't know if you work in your home. Do. But you do. Okay, so you, do you have uh, sacred time? I do, and
1: I have my work office, and when the door closes, everybody knows to, you know, not bother me. Exactly. <laughs> like right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think the boundaries definitely help. Absolutely. Right. And,
0: and it's really good for you. You know, it, it's good for you to be able to hold strong. If you're going to be a woman, leader, if you're a leader in general, you need to be able to set boundaries that are not barriers, but boundaries. Mm-hmm. So that, um, you know, the people will re- treat you as good as you treat yourself, basically.
1: So Marilyn, what are three strategies that people can start to employ in their lives to start to add some balance?
0: Well, here's one that I, I really love because it just changes the whole way you feel about things and it's really quick. Turn yourself from a have-to person into a get-to person. So a have-to person is someone who says, I have to go to work. I have to deal with that difficult client again. I have to go pay the bills. I have to go cash my check. Uh, Excuse me, you have to go cash your check? You get to go cash your check. Right. You get to go to work. You get to deal with that challenging client. When you change it from have-to to to get-to, that inner resource of yours starts to flow. You start to get excited. And really, think about it. I get to go to work. How many people in this country right now would love to say that? You know, there's a, with the unemployment the way it is, mm-hmm. the fact that we are working and, and having our careers, that's something that we get to do. Right. So that's a real quick one, but it's, I think, really significant to be a get-to person. hmm And I've had people say they've literally written little signs that say I get to and put it on their desk just to try to remind themselves that, oh, yes, I get to work on this computer program today. It helps, though. It helps. Another one would be to compare your to-do list. We all have them. Do you have a to-do list? Every day. Every day. We all have these to-do lists. But if you compare your to-do list with a what matters to you list, Mm-hmm. Your life can get more in balance. And let me give you a quick example of that. I asked my husband to make a what matters to him list. And he put you know, a few different things, but one of them he put down was music. He loves music. When he was in college, he was one of those uh, long haired college guitar playing guys in a band, you know. But then he graduated and he got a job and then he got a family and started a business. And the guitar ended up in the back part of the basement. You know, it just wasn't there. So, you know, he posted this What Matters to Him list by his uh, to-do list. And he realized, hmm, I'm going to pull up that guitar. And he didn't have a lot of time, but what he'd do is when he'd get up in the morning and watch the morning news, he'd put the guitar in his lap and play. And when he'd get home from work, he'd play a little bit. And all of a sudden, he started bringing out his old records and turning them into CDs started listening to those in the car. The next thing you know, his life is full of this music that meant so much to him. It didn't take any time away from his to-do list. But what mattered to him started shining through. So let me ask you, what would be one thing on your what matters to you list?
1: Uh, just uh making sure that there's peace of mind in the home despite the fact that there's a lot of negativity on the new you know, on the news and mm-hmm. that's my my number one thing right now is just making sure that my husband and I are grounded and at peace with one another and in our home.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so if that is on your what matters to you list and you're looking at it every day next to your to do list it's just going to ground you a little bit more. It's just going to make you give that, your kid an extra hug. It's just going to maybe take five more minutes to, to complete something with your husband before you leave for work or go off into your office. Um, getting in touch with, with what matters to you is something we kind of put on the back burner because we're so busy. Mm-hmm. But just like what's out of sight is out of mind, what's in sight is top of mind. So, you may start sprinkling things that matter to you in creative ways throughout your month if it's sitting there next to your to-do list. So, then again, it's something, it's an exercise, takes five minutes to sit down and write maybe five things that matter to you, mm-hmm. and then just keep it close, keep it where you can see it, and start sprinkling it in. It's really huge. And, you know, you said something really important there about how, you know, the stresses of what you're seeing on TV and how it's affecting the family. hmm that brings in another tool, which is listening. Um, I got a heart-wrenching email from a class participant who had just recently been laid off. And uh, her kid was devastated, just started bursting out into tears when she heard. And then she went to, she was saying how she was embarrassed. She was embarrassed. And so this woman's like, oh, I feel worse about my kids being embarrassed than I do about being laid off, you know. Um, It just took a little listening to find out that she'd seen a TV show recently where they they had tent communities where people were living in tents because they had lost their homes. She Um, thought that if she lost the job, they'd all be living in the tents. mm -hmm. And because she took the time to listen, she was able to get that fear out of her and then give her the comfort she needed. And the number one comfort a little child needs is I will take care of you Mm -hmm. more than anything. If they know you'll take care of them, they don't have to worry about it.
1: Yeah, That's great advice.
0: Yeah, so listen.
1: Great. Marilyn, tell me about your company and about the work that you do.
0: I have a training company, and it's really exciting for me because I do a couple of different things. Um, It's personal and professional because, honestly, I think the more personal growth work you do, the easier your professional life becomes. You get the emotion management skills you need to navigate through the tough times. Mm -hmm. So I go out and do presentations in companies and associations across the country, which is great. But another thing I do is something called option method coaching. And that's where I help people. It's an hour-long coaching session, helping them uncover those mental blocks, those things that limit you that you don't even see, like the hidden beliefs, that undermine your value. You may have this value that I'm going to be a successful, thriving, professional leader in business. But you have this undercurrent belief that, well, nobody else in my family has ever done that, so can I really? Or you might have the belief, well, if I I make too much money, I'll lose my friends. Like uh there's all these little hidden beliefs, and along with those beliefs, little belieflets that kind of undermine their counter intentions
1: mm-hmm. that get
0: in the way of you really getting what you want. So the coaching session helps you discover and dissolve those things that get in your way. So I work one-on-one, and I work in with big groups and companies, and I just love it. That's great. Mm-hmm. And how did you get into your line of work? You know, it evolved. It really came from not being in balance. I started out with a dual major of computers and engineering a field that was totally wrong for me but that's what my mother had decided when i was in seventh grade that i would be an engineer oh. i didn't know what else i wanted to be well i discovered that wasn't my interest but i gained a lot of experience from going through that tough program and working in the field for a couple of years and then i thought okay time to be happy and i got retrained and went back to school and got found my real passion and then I had my kids, so I I started the business so that I could do what I love to do but still be home. And it it wasn't easy. I won't say that it was easy, but it did fulfill me. It made me feel good, and I, I was able to manipulate the times that I worked to fit with my kids' life and schedule. And, I mean, now I travel a lot. I didn't travel so much before, but it's all worked out. And the most exciting part of what's happening is I have a book being released September of '09. A uh, major publisher picked it up. And Wonderful. Who's your Gladys? We all have a Gladys that really pushes our buttons, throws things all out of balance. We just want to rip her hair out <laughs> or smack her. I hate to say it, but we all know that person who does it. It could be a coworker, It could be a customer. And so the book features 10 companies, uh, thriving companies that are today. So I've got case studies that tell fun stories about what these companies do to deal with their Gladys. And then I break it down into what can you do in your company, in your business, to deal with your Gladys. So it was a lot of fun.
1: So how did you pick the name Gladys?
0: I was interviewing professional movers, a company who, despite the tough economic times, they grew 40% in one year. Wow. They are just thriving. And Gladys is our poster child. It was an old, elderly woman who was just impossible. You could not please this woman no matter what. And her marble table broke because the mover dropped it, which is like the last thing you want to have happen with a difficult customer is break something of theirs because they go nuts. And she did. She went nuts. But the way they handled it was so remarkable that she became a beacon of sales for that company. She ended up being the one who made everyone in her retirement community use that Moving company. I mean, they could not have predicted, but they treated her like they would have treated a corporate customer, and the results just completely turned things around. So I love Gladys because she can end up being your biggest fan and your biggest supporter.
1: What a great story, Marilyn, and congratulations on your book.
0: Oh, thank you. I'm so excited.
1: <laughs> Marilyn, thank you so much for coming on the show. You really provided us with great tips to help us achieve work-life balance. And to all my listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in, and don't forget to uh, check out my webpage at www.leadershipstrategiesforwomen.com. And, Marilyn, we've got a couple of seconds. How can people get a hold of you?
0: They can reach me at Marilyn, M-A-R-I-L-Y-N, at MarilynSubtle.com. That's M-A-R-I-L-Y-N-S, like in Sam, U-T-T-L-E.com. Thanks so much for having me. This has been so much fun.
1: Thank you, Marilyn. You've been fantastic. And to my listeners, I uh, hope that you'll jump onto Facebook and let me know your thoughts and about the show and about any other topics you'd like me to address while we're on the show. So uh, I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, God bless. Bye-bye.